know, we got started a year ago in the new schedule, and we started March 1st, and then the 8th, and then the 15th, boom, we were shut down. Uh, but we maintained our time of worship and focus and on our Zoom Bible studies for our life groups. And um, I, I, I've reflected now upon this year that's passed. And I think that I have greatly benefited, and I hope you have as well, that we've been on the same page as we've gone through these studies together. That uh, I introduced to you the concept of the lesson and then uh, here in the sermon, and then you have that time in your Zoom class. Sometimes I, I use the same a passage of Scripture, and sometimes I stay with the same theme but go to another passage of Scripture. And uh, it's been a great benefit to me, and I think that uh, the design of how it's going to go throughout this spring and all the way through next year, it's going to continue to allow us to walk step by step uh, through some very important teachings in the Bible, just like this series. We're on some of the essentials of Christianity. We're not calling, we're not covering all of them, but we're looking at some of the basic theological essentials uh, of our Christian faith. And last week we did look at the nature of God and uh, looked at that mysterious part about He's three in one, three separate beings, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but yet He's three in one, that Trinity, that triune God, and that there's absolute unity in God. Now, as we come today to talk about uh, what is the purpose of, of humanity, and I'm titled the sermon, uh, The Design of Mankind, uh, I, uh, one of these benefits of going through these theological bases of our, of our Christian faith is it helps us to make application to what's going on in the real world where we live. And I hope you will see that today, and I hope I can get that across today when we talk about the fact that we're made in the image of God and that he made, uh, created us male and female. And there's only two genders. And that, that really goes against the great movement that's going on out there in our culture. So what, what does the Bible talk to us about then, about the purpose of humanity? Well, some, years, some step months back, I think we dealt with what is my purpose in life. And we constantly need to bring that up. Today, I think when we understand the purpose of humanity or the design of mankind, we answer some of the basic questions like, where did I come from? You know, who am I? Why am I here? And, and what is my purpose in life? And so to answer those questions, we're going to look at uh, some of the basic uh, words of Scripture as we go back to the beginning, literally, in the book of Genesis and see how we are created, how we came to be, and why God created us and what our role is in this great plan that he has. So we look, first of all, at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. And Scripture says, Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. And increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. 
and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now we go down to chapter 2 in Genesis, and it gets more specific in the creation story. Beginning in verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And then we go down to chapter 2 again and verses 18 through 25. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable, help suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man and the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And then we find this great reason in God's theology. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. There's the basis for our humanity. It's one man and one woman coming together to become one flesh in the bonds of matrimony. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So this is a great opportunity and what's going on in the culture around us today to go to the very basics of our belief in Christianity, what the Bible says, what God did, and why he did it talks to us then in three very specific ways about the design of mankind. Number one, we are uniquely created by God. See, one of the most pressing challenges of our day today is for people to understand, how did we come to be? And that answer simply is this, we are uniquely created by God. Now, that gives a presupposition that you're going to believe that there is a sovereign, supreme being whose name is God. As we looked at last week, the nature of this God is that he is this all-existing, all-encompassing God, the three-in-one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that all three were working together in this process of creation. And what a wonderful creation story that we find is how God created everything. And brought it into existence in the world. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created 
man. And the word there for create in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word bara. And the word is used only of God. Only is that word given to God. And it's always used, though, in a sovereign activity unhindered by obstacles. And it always describes the bringing into existence of that which was non-existent. And that goes to one of our basic theological beliefs. And that is that God created everything that there is out of nothing. Ex nihilo is what the theologians call that. That God created everything out of nothing because he is God. And the Bible affirms in Genesis 1 and 2 then that God created all there is in the earth and he is the sovereign God of creation. Nothing happened by chance. To create this world and the human beings that we are in this world. Creation is an act of God. It is an act of God. And only God could do that. To have any other theory to rival the fact that God is the creating God. And that he created everything in this world. Would be ridiculous as having a tornado go through a junkyard. And taking all the pieces of metal in that junkyard. And coming out of there with a Boeing 747. There is no way that everything in this world could operate the way it does. Except the hand of God was on it and behind it. God created all that there is. And we have to affirm that belief. It always amazes me. Most every night. I go out somewhere between 9.30 and, and 10 o'clock uh, to take our dogs out for, out of the garage for the, for the last, um, for that last little run. And then I give them a treat when I bring them in. And while they're out doing their last little bit of running around the yard and uh, before I put them to bed, I just always stand there and I look up at the sky. Sometimes I see a, a plane or some kind of flying object go over, overhead. But most of the time I just focus on the stars and I think about the fact that there are millions and millions and millions of stars and that God created every one of them. The Bible says in Psalm 147 that he not only created them, but he numbered them. He knows how many there are, and he also named them. And I just stand there and I thank God. What am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? And I think about all the blessings that he has given to me in my life. You need to stand before this awesome God sometime and remember that this is the God of creation who uniquely created you and that he cares about you uniquely. See, God made us so wonderfully. Think about the human heart. That it pumps over a thousand gallons a day, over 55 million gallons in the average lifetime. And that's enough to fill 13 super tankers. Your heart never sleeps. It beats two and a half billion times or so in a lifetime. Think about the lungs that contain thousand miles of capillaries. And then our body is so energy efficient. If an average adult rides a bike at, for one hour... At 10 miles an hour, it uses the amount of energy contained in three ounces of carbohydrate. Now, if a car were this efficient with gasoline, it would get 900 miles to the gallon. So human beings are not a product of chance. We are especially created, uniquely created by God. And the psalmist says in 139 what all of us ought to affirm. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, what does it mean then for us that God has uniquely 
created us? Well, number one, it means that we have value. We have value. We have worth. We are a person of worth. I read this week about three different parts of our government on aging, how they evaluate the worth of a human life. The uh, EPA, Environmental and Protection Agency, says a human life is worth about $9.1 million. Uh, the Food and Drug Administration says we're about, uh, worth about $7.9 million. And the Department of Transportation says we're about, worth about $6 million. Now, I don't know how they came up with those figures, but I think that says something about the value of human life, and we need to value our human life greatly, and that says something about the stance that we need to take upon one of the most horrible acts that takes place every day, abortion. And since Roe versus Way has become legal, there's been about 60 million babies who have been killed, maybe even greater than that by now. And that is a horrible atrocity for a life created by God in the image of God. We have value in life, and we need to value that life. Secondly, we have limits. As created beings, we have limits in our life. God is infinite, but we are finite. You know, we are limited while he is omnipotent. We are creatures, and he is the creator. And we need to understand that. That we are not to worship the creation, but we are to worship the creator who is God and that we have limits in life, but God is limitless. And then thirdly, it means that we have individuality as we are created uniquely by God. They are, we are not clones. There's not, we're like snowflakes. There's not two of us exactly alike. You might see family resemblances in families that through children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But none of us are exactly alike. Do you look at the sexual issue? And he created man and he created woman, two distinct sexual beings. And he gave the right that said, these are the two that will come together in marriage, forsaking their homes to become one in marriage. Where did that come from? The heart and mind of God. And it's one man and one woman coming together. We are uniquely created by God. Secondly, our creation story tells us that we are uniquely created by God in his image. Now that ought to tell us something there about the fact that we are valuable in the sight of God because we are created in his image. When he was creating us, he took forethought to say, I want my children, I want my people to reflect my image. And so we're made in his image. The word image used there means to be shaped like a representative figure. And the word likeness means a resemblance. And, and, and it's bound up in the words of Scripture, not only here in Genesis 1.27, but the Scripture there says God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God, and he created them male and female. You and I are created as males, some as females, and we are created in his image to do one thing, and that is to bring glory and honor to God. And the way that we do that today is we are to be like Christ Jesus. 
Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and say, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In Colossians 1, 15, he would say, he is the image of the invisible God. And then the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 1, 3 would say, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Now, what does it mean that we're created in the image of God? It doesn't mean that we have all the, the, the physical characteristics of God, but it means that we possess characteristics that are found in God. The way our children oftentimes reflect us with characteristics. So, here's what it means. Three different things again. We have an intellectual dimension. God's image was created in us to give us a rational power. We have the ability to think. And to reason. We need to use it more often, I think. We have the ability to look beyond ourselves and look objectively at ourselves. And one of the ways that we see that we have an intellectual dimension is that this naming of everything that God had created, He could have done it, but who did He give that opportunity to? To Adam. And Adam had to be pretty smart to come up with all the names for everything that God had created. How in the world do you think of hippopotamus? You know, you got to remember, God created ex nihilo. Out of nothing, he created everything. And here's Adam with the task of naming everything. We have intellectual dimension. Second, we have a moral dimension. We have all his creations are the only ones with a moral dimension, with a conscience that allows us to make value judgments of right and wrong. And we talk about the animal kingdom as being dumb animals. And you look at what's going on in our culture and our society today morally, and the animals honestly are smarter than we are. You don't see homosexuality in the animal kingdom, do you? I don't think so. And then thirdly, we have a spiritual dimension. We are created with an eternal aspect to our life. We are created with an eternal spirit. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has set eternity in our heart. That means that we have a longing for eternity to be with God. And that means that we have a capacity for a relationship with God. It means that we can pray with God and communicate with God. It means that we can find God's power when we need it, his peace when we need it, his comfort when we need it, and his forgiveness when we need that, which is basically always. We are God's highest creations, uniquely created. And then the third thing I would say today is we are uniquely created by God to fulfill his purpose. That answers that question Why am I here? Why did God create me? Well, basically, it's a mission statement uh, for us as human beings that we find in uh, Genesis chapter 1. When he says that God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, basically there, you can put it in terms of three R's. Remember this. Number one is righteousness. We are created in the image of God. He made man in his image, and, and we are to reflect the, the righteousness of God. Secondly, he's given us relationships. He created us male 
and female so that we can join the proper relationship that God has for us in marriage. And then thirdly, there is a responsibility. And that responsibility is to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living creature that moves along the ground. That does not mean, a lot of people have had trouble when he talks about subdue the earth, that we are to bring it to its knees and destroy. You look around and you see a great deal of, of, of destruction of God's beautiful, beautiful creation. Just making some trips yesterday around northeast Columbia, I just noticed the, the, the filth that has been scattered all around our, our, our streets. And, and it was just disgusting. I saw a picture of, of a poor dead whale this week that somebody posted on Twitter that had died because of all the plastic pollution in the ocean. And the whale had ingested all of that and had died. We're not doing a very good job of taking care of this beautiful world that God has given to us. But to subdue it means to use it for the glory of God, not to, not to destroy it. So think quicker what we're supposed to do. We're to replenish the earth. He gave that right to us. That's why he created us in his sovereign mind, male and female. He created us that way. It was no accident. That's God's plan to bring together a man and a woman when God chooses to bless them with the creation of another life. And that comes in, 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 in dire times in our country today. Just this past week, Gallup's latest poll was issued on, on update of the LGBT movement and finds now that since 2017 that Americans now have moved from 4.5% identifying with the LGBT movement to now it's 5.6%. Not surprisingly, Generation Z, those who were born from 97 to 2002, lead the list of that at 15.9%. Millennials born from 1981 to 1996 is 9.1%. Generation X, born from 1965 to 1980, are 3.8%. Baby boomers, born from 1946 to 1964, is 2%. And traditionalists, born before 1946, is 1.3%. It's not surprising that the youngest generation, Generation Z, has the highest number who identify with the LGBT movement. You know why? It's because that's what's being pushed down them. Every advertisement you see on the television, almost every show, every, almost every moving uh, document or whatever that comes to America today is being pushed to say that is normal. And folks, it is not normal because God created us male and female. There are only two genders. There are only two genders. The second, that we are made to care for God's creation. He's given us a beautiful world in which to live. We are not to destroy it. Yes, we need to look for ways that we can create more energy efficient vehicles and all of that and care for how we drill for oil and whatever if we ever get back to doing that and mining coal and all of those things. But do it in the most efficient manner with the least pollution possible. And then we're to have fellowship with God. That's why God created us, isn't it? He could have done all of this creation and left us out, but he wanted a relationship with us, and so he created us. He created us, and, and, and verse 28 says, that is our cultural mandate to subdue the earth and study it, but also then to move into a relationship with God. 
verse Psalm 8 contains these wonderful lofty words. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. That is where we're supposed to be crowned with glory and honor. It doesn't mean that we're haughty. It doesn't mean that we're super pious. But it means that we respect who we are because God has made us that way and we are crowned with glory and honor. What is then the definition of this uh, mankind and how we are made and what is the purpose of humanity? It's that we are made uniquely in the image of God to reflect Him. So, here are some conclusions. We are created in such a way so that God could reveal to us the wonder of His glory. Now, you look up at night at the vast expanse of the heavens and you might feel insignificant. And that's okay. Because compared to God, we are. But in the eyes of God, we are not insufficient and significant. We value. We are valued by God. He knows the number of hairs upon your head. Then second, we were were made to uniquely reflect the nature and character of God. We are his crowned joy and glory. How well are you reflecting the nature and character of God? And then we were created with the awesome privilege of being a steward over everything that God has created in this world. How are you doing with that? And then one more thing. This passage tells us that we were made to have fellowship with God. And we are complete only when we are reunited with Him. St. Augustine said, You made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in You. I think everybody is looking for meaning and fulfillment in this world. Most of them are looking in the wrong place. And a relationship with God is the only place that you will find that vacuum in your heart filled with the presence of God that gives you meaning and significance. And you come into that relationship through faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So today, as we talk about the creation of mankind and the purpose of humanity... And how we're created, we are uniquely created in the image of God to move into relationship with Him. We are to reflect God in this culture in which we live, in the society in which we live, the world in which we live. It shouldn't take you long to look around and see that there needs to be the voice of mankind in relationship with God speaking up and speaking out and then doing something about what you say. That's our created purpose for the glory of God. Father God, we thank you that in your wonderful creative power and your majesty and your glory, you created us to live in this wonderful, beautiful world that you have created that functions so precisely that the rising and setting of the sun can be predicted every day and that the high tide and low tide can be predicted in, in every day. Father, you are just awesome in in who you are and your creative power and yet you use that same power to create us out of the dust of the earth in your image so that we might reflect you just as Lord Jesus Christ did who was the exact radiance and glory of God the Father. Help us Father as your created beings in your image to reflect your glory to the world around us. 
Father, if there's anyone here today who needs to come into a relationship with you, may they acknowledge their sin, confess that sin, repent of that sin, and come to you through faith in Jesus Christ and enter into that relationship where they will find meaning and purpose in a relationship with you, the God of all creation. Father, it's in your name that I pray and call for these decisions through Christ our Lord. Amen.